Kilman on Yeah, man, and uh, here he is. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've been to South Africa multiple times. You've never said hello before, so I'm excited that we get you now. <laughs> oh, if, man. Yeah, yeah, like every year, the past five years, it feels yeah. like you're here like a lot. Yeah, yeah. But you dig it, yeah, right? I love it. I love yeah. it, man, and I appreciate the time with us being able to build now. I know you said we never got to do it before, Yeah. but we're here in the present, so much love. Uh, and it's very cool to be uh, speaking to you, obviously, in the year of uh, major release, um, your yeah. fourth studio album in celebration of us yeah um just kind of looking at everything that you put out everything that it seems like you're about based on what i've read online we've never met before it feels like i can ask you this question Mm -hmm. um and the question is what is it for you that is super interesting about being a musician with something to say um and a narrative that you want to be a part of in 2018 that's a dope question. Um, you know, for me, I feel like when you have a voice, it's your responsibility to use it. You know, so being that I have a voice as far as what I do musically, what I do mm-hmm. lyrically and how I'm able to put a story together, as far as being able to have an audience and a crowd who listens to what I have to say, takes pride in it and wants to be a part of it. I got to use that to the best of my mm-hmm. ability. Like it's a responsibility. You know, I think a lot of artists nowadays take that for granted. They say whatever, do whatever. But if you have a voice and you have an, an outreach, it's a responsibility to use it the right way. And what is it that you want to say in 2018? What's the statement that you're trying to make in everything that you're doing? As much as things change, things are the same. You know, I think that's the strongest statement that I've been making in my music for the longest now. Mm. You know, I feel like as much as things change and where we go as a people, as a culture, as a country where I'm from in the States and even abroad, you know, certain things that you guys may go through here, different places overseas, things kind of still stay the same, you know, for better and for worse. So my job, having that voice and that responsibility, is putting light on it so we can have dialogue and conversation. We can converse about it, see what's what, and try to see where this thing can go and hopefully shed some light on some things for those coming up Mm. behind us and even us right here, you know? I mean, we're living in a, a day and age of like, I don't know if it's self-involvement, but the selfie is like, it's oh, sort it's of a king. metaphor of the it's time. It's king. And I don't like selfies, yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's king. Yeah. But it's, I guess it's a metaphor for the time that we're living in where people are quite self-involved. That's a good way to put it. So what do you think it is about how you were brought up, um, who raised you, yeah. where you were raised, everything that's sort of gotten you into a space where you want to be something that's a part of other people, not yeah. just about self? I think for me, the best way to give credit to that is to having both parents. Hmm. You know, I grew up in a neighborhood where 90% of the kids on my block didn't have both of their parents in their house. You know, for me, I had both of my parents. And even though they weren't together, they were in two separate homes, I was with both of my parents every single day. You know, if I was at my mother's house, I spoke to my father on the phone. If I was at my father's house, I spoke to my mother on the phone. It was back and forth every single day. So I had that influence instilled in me from day one Mm. with two parents in my life you know and then when my pops got married it became three parents so i was able to have that one up and that advantage that i didn't even realize at the time was a blessing there's so many people with a similar but different story for me because Mm. they had one parent in their house so they only had one person showing them what this world is about and i was fortunate enough to have multiple what kind of kid were you Oh man, I was I was a cool were you kid. Naughty, okay, you weren't naughty. You no, were like- I was a cool kid. You know, I I was just talking to uh, my PR quote yeah. about it. I was a cool kid. You know, I was just running around. I was a huge basketball fan, still am, and uh, I was making music ever since I was nine. I was uh-huh. rhyming, and I was very aware. And I was in what we have in the states. I don't know what you guys may call it here, but I was in what we call advanced placement classes. We call them AP classes. So I was in classes in school ever since like junior high and high school. Where, you know, the work was a little more difficult. And at the time, I hated it 
because it meant more hours dedicated towards that instead uh-huh. of doing what I wanted to do was run around. But it worked out for the long haul. You know, I was always in AP classes, advanced placement. And is everyone in your life kind of surprised or not surprised at um, what your life looks like in 2018? No, nah, the, the people closest to me, like my parents, mm. my little brothers, my family, they're not surprised at all. Because yeah. they knew this is what I wanted to do since I was nine years old. So they're not surprised at all. They're like, we knew Sky was going to do this. We knew this is who he was going to be. They're proud, you know, but there's no surprise. You can be proud without being surprised. Uh-huh. They're not surprised. They're just mega proud. What do you think is... A misconception that people might have looking at sort of your journey and your come up and your rise in terms of it's easy from the outside to think like, yeah, yeah. okay, so his parents thought he was going to be super successful. He's gone on to be, right. he's got this sort of incredible, um, catalog of music that he's put out. Thank he's you. literally changing the world through Thank what you. he's speaking about. That's a lot. Um, but what's been difficult about that? What's the truth that we don't see on Instagram? Uh, the truth is how difficult it is being an independent artist mm. and being an artist coming up. Especially in the beginning. You know, now I've been in the game for a while. Mm. I have what I'm proud and honored to say is a legion of fans. Uh, you know, people who look to me and love my music and support it on day one. No matter what I do, mm. they come out. And I appreciate and, and I'm honored by that. But the beginning stage is, is difficult. For a lot of artists who may or may not understand that or know that, when you're coming up in the beginning, mm. it's extremely difficult, especially as an independent artist, without the backing of a major, without having a rich uncle, you know, or without having, you know, some type of upstart money from someone close mm. to you, be it legal or illegal, and without having those types of opportunities where you have to make opportunities for yourself. You know, as much as I've had my parents in my life, they don't have a musical background. They don't have any of that. So mm. I was 20, 21 years old trying to get it on my own. You know, with no help. It was just me. So everything I've been able to do was off of my footwork, off of my groundwork, me beating the street, being out there on the grind, on the move, on the hustle, as well as what I do as far as the talent that I've been blessed Mm -hmm. with. So it's a combination of those things. You can't put it on one or the other. It's really about going out there to get it. So the misconception, just wrapping up your question, is how difficult it is in the beginning. The reason I ask is because, like, in the South African context, we have by the hundreds of thousands of young people that want to be successful in hip-hop. Absolutely. Um, it's the biggest genre in the country right now, and mm-hmm. everybody wants to be super successful at it. Yeah. But what is the real honest conversation that one has to have with oneself to figure out if you are cut out for it or not? Because it's easy to watch TV and think, like, um, that can totally be me. That's easy. Exactly. Everyone's telling you that it can be you. Yeah. But how do you figure out what your role is in something, in a space like hip-hop? I think you said it in the question where you have to be honest with yourself. Mm. As an aspiring artist, you got to be able to look in the mirror and say, okay, one, do I love this? Do I love the lane that I'm in in this music? I may love music, but do I love creating music? Meaning the highs and lows, meaning when it gets rough mm. and you're in the studio four or five in the morning and then you got to go to work at six in the morning and you didn't sleep for three days. And do you love that? Are you willing to put that work in? Two, are you talented enough? You know, when you listen to what you're doing and you listen to others who are in the lane that you want to be in, mm. can you compete or can you beat them? And if you can't, you got to be honest with yourself. Even if you're not honest to no one else who supports you, you got to be honest to yourself and say, okay, if I'm not as nice as such and such and so and so, maybe I could be a manager. Maybe I could be an A&R. Maybe I can put shows together, become a booking mm-hmm. agent. Maybe I can get a, a show like you have here. You know what I mean? Like, There's other ways to be involved with hip-hop without being on stage with a camera on you and a mic in your hand. You know, There's a lot of different elements that go into building this machine called hip-hop. So as mm-hmm. an artist, you got to be honest with yourself in all those things. And if you can answer all those questions and say yes, 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 then go for it. Go for it and put everything you have into it, but go about it the right way and be intelligent about it. You're in SA touring uh, in celebration of us. What yeah. do you think 
is the most powerful line in terms of um, what you're speaking about on the album, the most powerful lyric that oh you could gosh. put on billboards everywhere in the world. Something that just the world really needs. Wow. You should have yeah. asked me that like early and I could have thought about it. <laughs> I got 15 songs full of lines. Um, Give me some of the lines that you think like really are just messages and things that the world needs to hear. Like if I gave you all the outdoor advertising space in the world yeah. to stick it on a billboard, what are some of the lines? It doesn't have to be like the most because that's a stupid question. Right, right, right. Oh man, I'm, I'm going through all the records in my mind. It probably would be something off of uh, Everybody's Fine. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, for the face that the Jake's penned as being a nigga, so we give him everything that he think a nigga should take, and you ask him how to spell it, and he respond, please make up your mind, you niggas is even niggas or you ain't. And, uh, if you know my music, I don't use that word. Uh-huh. So this is the first album I've ever used that word on, and it's a personal decision where I don't use the word, and yeah. it was a personal decision to use the word on this album, on that one record, because what I'm saying is, you're dealing with a world where there's police. You know, in New York, we call the Jakes police. That's, mm. you know, that's what that word, when I say the Jakes, what that means. So you're dealing with a world where the police look at you a certain way and come at you a certain way, and they feel like they have the right to, and they feel like they're justifiable to. And he, you're looking at a, a police figure who acts a certain way towards someone who may look like me, mm. and the pre preconceived connotations that they have about me makes them act towards me a certain way, feel mm. like they can pull out on me and shoot me down or whatever it is. And... On the flip side, you're looking at them like, wait, you're not supposed to look at us like that. You're not supposed to use that word at us. Mm. Or how are you spelling it? Meaning in what context do you mean it? Do you mean it in an endearing, in an endearing way or do you mean it you know, derogatorily against me? And as a cop or as someone on the other side of the fence, they're saying, make up your mind. Are you or are you not? Because if I say it, you get mad. But if your friends say it, you're not mad. You know, And, and that goes to a testament of me. You know, I don't knock anyone who uses the word, but I personally don't use the word because mm-hmm. of that conversation. I feel like that conversation is so ignorant of, well, if you spell it this way, it means this. And if you spell it that way, it means that. And we took the word and made something positive. I don't believe in any of that. Granted, if the next man does, that's cool. We don't have any beef because that's cool. Do your thing. You know, all my friends use it. That's cool. But I personally think it's an ignorant conversation. So my job in using the word on that record was to put light on how ignorant I think the conversation Mm -hmm. is. Yeah. How does a guy like you make sense of the world that we live in and not just like not want to get out of bed in the Because <laughs> it feels like you channel all of that negative energy into trying to shape a different narrative yeah. and inspire a different conversation and change people's sort of perceptions and thoughts in the way that we approach life, which is a really positive channeling of that energy. Right. But it can't always be the easiest thing to do At when all. the first thing you see on your timeline is sort of another kid who got shot down. And and yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, so you how know. do you channel it? Uh, for me, obviously through the art, you know, through the music and being able to say, okay, I take all of these stories and these things and events that happen to people who look like me and move like me and understand the same environment that I'm from and put it through that so that there's something for them to relate to, mm-hmm. something to reflect them and feel like they're good, you know, feel good about themselves. But even if you're not from where I'm from and you don't look like me, you can still understand and appreciate the music because of what it means and, and what I'm trying to build in the story and the narrative. So for me, Getting out of bed every morning is that inspiration. Knowing what I do musically and how I make music, the way I approach my music, I want it to last forever. You know, I think right now we live in a generation where there's right now music, Mm. right now art, right now movies. You know, it's cool. It's right now. You know, it's so hot right now. But come this time next year, we don't remember it. We don't speak on Mm. it. We don't remember who it was. We just remember what it might have been back then for the moment. For me, 
I want the music to continue to be five years, 10 years, 20 years. There's always an anniversary. Yo, the five year anniversary of the salvation or dream deferred or, mm-hmm. you know, next year is the 10 years on the salvation and people are already talking about it. Like those types of things are the moments that I live for because the music is supposed to be here forever because it's art. We talk about art from decades and centuries ago. You know, we talk about music from decades ago. That's what it's supposed to be if you're making music. It's supposed to be something you want to continue to live. But you have to tell me who's given you this insight. Or were you just born with this insight? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, Man. who is it come from? Did someone sit you down five years ago and say, like, you know, don't make it for right now? Like, where does the wisdom and the insight? Because right. when you're saying it, it makes sense. Right. But it's such a sort of long-term play. And yeah. you almost wonder, like, well, who taught you how to have a long-term play? I think the music I grew up on. You know, a lot of the music I grew up on was dope in the moment and continued to be dope. But then I also grew up on music that existed before I was born. Uh-huh. You know, the Jackson 5 and Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder. And, you know, I'm a jazz head. So Miles Davis and John Coltrane and Horace Silver and Wayne Shorter. Those guys, some of them died before I was even thought of. Mm-hmm. But I still go back and listen to their music and appreciate it. And I was raised on that music. Okay. So the idea of this music from these guys with me as a little kid, these guys, they don't, they don't even exist anymore. But the music means something and I'm being raised on it. Then the goal must be when you make music, make mm-hmm. music to continue to live longer than you do. And that, I guess that's kind of where that theory in my mind comes from. Yeah, because it's such an unheard of thing to have such of a long, I mean, it makes sense when you say it. But yeah, in, it's such a simple concept. In reality, concept, it's you know? so sort of not what people do. People are hot for a year, six months, yeah. and then they kind of move and change. And yeah. then there's a new social platform and someone Absolutely. runs Absolutely. There's a new it guy or it girl, yeah. you know, and, and for me, we all here for the business. It's a business. We all here to get the bag. I'm from Brooklyn, so I'm from the home of getting to it as quick as possible and as much as possible and as much of an abundance as possible. But at the same time, there's a way to do that and exist in the now mm. and in the later. There's a way to do that. And I think you have artists nowadays doing it. And I hope to say that I'm doing that myself. I know to say I'm doing that myself because of what I do and where I'm at. I'm able to sustain a lifestyle that I want with the career that I want mm. and never have to look in the mirror and regret it. I never look in the mirror and be like, damn, I wish I didn't make that record. Mm. Damn, I wish I didn't make that album like that. I, I shouldn't, I listened to so-and-so and I shouldn't have did that. That's never happened mm. and it never will. The moment that that almost happens, I got to step away. It's this uh, instant gratification thing. Uh, Absolutely. That we and it's an instant bank account thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's what it really comes. It's, a, mm. it's these kids saying, this is what's hot. This is what's shaking. I'm on that. And you're going to jump onto it. Right. Um, instant gratification. Also, the world we live in with social media, all of that. People want stuff now. Like, there's sort of very much in the moment. But will it? Is it a long term decision? Is it not? Do you think that social media is, from a social issue perspective, and the things that we have to confront as people, mm-hmm. as human beings? Yeah. Do you think social media that we? And it's such a difficult question, but it really is just your opinion off the back mm-hmm. of it, without like back ends of research. Right. Do you think that we are using it in a positive? way or a negative way when you social log on, media yeah when you log on to twitter and facebook and instagram do you think that it's making the world a better place or a or not such a better place i think it's doing both simultaneously mm. you know me being here right now is due to the internet and social uh-huh. media and things like that because my buzz out here came from not me being out here as, as someone who no one knew mm. but me making music back home and it getting out here mm. whether it was on blogs or twitter or whatever it may have been so it's a positive, it's definitely doing things in a positive way, but obviously it's doing things in a negative way from the online bullying to, you know, the, the glorification of certain things and what it glamorizes in a negative light and mm. the, the amount of value people put on it, mm. the way people can't put it down. You know, it does just as much good as it does bad 
just as much bad as it does good. So how do you figure out what your role is and what you're going to put out? I try to only put out things that I can be proud of. Mm. I don't troll at all. If I see something I don't like as far as, let's say so-and-so drops a new record and I listen to it and I don't like it, I'm not going to comment on it talking <laughs> about how I don't like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't like it. Yeah. So there's no need for me to jump on the comment section and say, yo, this shit is trash, da-da-da-da-da, this is garbage. I may feel that way in my mind, but uh-huh. what good does that do to write that on a comment section? Like, big deal. Now, if I like it, then I'll jump in on that. Why? Because it's putting something positive into the world uh-huh. and it's giving that more light and more energy to get other people involved with it. But if I don't like it, why would I spend that energy on it when I can spend that energy on something else that I do like? Yeah. I'll just let it pass. If I hear it or see it or watch it or whatever and I don't like it, just let it pass. You know what I mean? It's again that long game. Uh, Billboard Magazine says that you are the hip hop version of Solange Knowles. Or the yeah described um, the, the most recent album um, and said the hip hop version of Solange Knowles is that a cool yeah yeah absolutely stuff? I mean that's a really cool life of all what to say yeah <laughs> I yeah. mean what do you think when you hear something like that is that I like, dig it um, yeah it's cool right yeah because I, I mean I, I think they're talking about her album uh, a seat at the table yes 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 and yes. with my album a celebration of us kind of being parallel and mm. what it represents and and what what it was made for you know I made that album to represent. Uh, the stories and things that go on with the people who look like myself. But again, if even if you don't look like me and, and move like me and live like me, you can still understand mm. and respect it because you're in this world too. So if you're in this world and you don't look like me, but you know what's going on with us, then you can appreciate what's being said on it and where I'm going with it and why it's important to to those who look like me, my people, my culture, etc. It's trying to break down and understand the black experience, mm. what it was, what it is, and what it probably will continue to be, mm. sadly. You know, and that's what the album is doing. The album is fully about that. And the story arc behind it is the importance of having a father figure in the black household for black males. Mm. And if you do have that, then you have a better shot. It doesn't mean it's going to be 100% and you're not going to have any issues, but you have a better shot of alleviating some of these pit holes and pit stops and, and whatever it may be in these potholes that are waiting for you in these roads in life. Uh, I want to land it with sort of a very quick conversation around the other part of that um, sort of narrative that Billboard spoke about, saying that um, the album serves as a dedication to your newborn son. Yeah. Um, and just your sort of sentiments on fatherhood and what you've gotten out of it and um, how important that role is to you and how it's sort of shaped and changed yeah. you. Oh, man. It's only been four months and it's the greatest four months of my life. Really? You know, it's, it's been four this months. This your first... Um, yeah. Yeah. First yeah. child and... It's the greatest four months of my life. Uh, literally, I just kill time looking at his pictures in my phone. You know what I mean? And, and it's an amazing thing. For everybody out there who got kids, you know what I'm talking about. And if you got kids on the way, get ready. It's a whole different <laughs> thing. And everything that happens throughout the day, you picture your kid in that experience. Wow. Good and bad. You know what I mean? So everything that happens, you picture if your kid was with you or if your kid was 22 or 15 or whatever, dealing with that situation or that emotion good and bad you know mm-hmm. it, it's an amazing thing it's overwhelming it's scary to be able to love somebody else like that it's it's a scary thing but it's amazing man like and, and the album like you said you know me dedicating it to him it's kind of an advisory tale mm-hmm. for him as a young black male growing up in this world it's an advisory tale for him to know what to expect what not to accept what not to tolerate and how to move and maneuver in this world being who you are and looking the way you look so cool so guys, it's been great. The final question I have to ask you is, obviously, we're going to make a podcast of this. It's yeah. going to go into iTunes. Um, 
I'm very, you haven't met me before, but I have a time machine, which is wildly impressive. Nice. Uh, so if I had to take that podcast, so our conversation in the past to 15, 20 minutes, get into my time machine and yeah. go back to 13 year old you living in Brooklyn, huge fan of basketball. Yep. Um, and be that creepy guy on the side <laughs> of the court saying, yo, come listen to Check this, this on, the, on the wall. Get in my time machine. On a tape. Right. Um, and you had to listen to this interview. What do you yeah. think your reaction to you at 13 would be to you in 2018. For one, I'd wonder how you got there in my neighborhood. You know what I mean? Because um, it wasn't too many people who looked like you in my neighborhood at the time in 95. I'd be like, well, how did that happen? No, nah, but, um, you know, I would, uh, I'd be blown away. I'd be blown away at the fact that I have a kid. Um, uh, and the really? fact that, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I and, guess when you're 13, you don't think you you're don't ever going to have that. a child. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and, uh, I think I would, I would be humbled by the things I've been able to achieve and accomplish because as a 13 year old kid, I just wanted to rhyme my brains out. I just wanted to rap, 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 mm-hmm. rap. That was it. And I just wanted to be great. And the fact that the conversation can be had about my music and the way it touches people and the class that people put me in as far as MCs and uh-huh. artists of this generation, feeling like Dag, I kind of did that. It, it would honor me and humble me to, to no end. So, so cool. What yeah. a great story to have. Thank All you. All right. So if I'm correct, it is, uh, the 26th that you're going to be playing in, uh, Joburg. Then uh, on the 30th of April, you're going to be in Mozam and on the uh, 28th as well. And all the information is going to be on skyzytherider.com, right? Yep, everything's on there. Um, the 26th, we got the jazz at yes. uh, the Untitled Basement in Brom so on cool. uh, 7 Reserve Street. It's with a live jazz band. Very cool. So it's going to be super dope. Yeah, and we know that you're a huge fan of jazz growing up, so yeah. that's going to be really, really cool. Uh, Skyzy, thanks so much for stopping by, and we'll see you again next year in uh, SA. <laughs> nah, definitely. Thank you for your time and, and, and letting me be a little tardy to the party, man. I appreciate Such it. Such a pleasure. Skyzy, thanks so much for hanging out. Kelman on cliffcentral.com.